They said it was forbidden. They said it was dangerous. They were right. Introducing the paranoid American homunculus owner's manual. Dive into the arcane, into the hidden corners of the occult. This isn't just a comic. It's a hidden tome of supernatural power. All original artwork illustrating the groundbreaking research of Juan Ayala, one of the only living homunculologists of our time. Learn how to summon your own homunculus, an enigma wrapped in the fabric of reality itself, their power at your fingertips, their existence, your secret. Explore the mysteries of the Aristotelian, the spiritual, the Paracelsian, the Crowleyan homunculus, ancient knowledge lost to time, now unearthed in this forbidden tale. This comic book holds truths not meant for the light of day, knowledge that was buried, feared, and shunned. Are you ready to uncover the hidden, the paranoid American homunculus owner's manual, not for the faint of heart, available now from Paranoid American. Get your copy at tjojp.com or paranoidamerican.com today. It is the middle ground between light and shadow, between science and superstition, and it lies between the pit of man's fears and the summit of his knowledge. This is Time Enough Podcast. Hello, welcome to Time Enough Podcast. This is where we look at episodes of the Twilight Zone and beyond. This is Matt here. Joining us today is from the One on One podcast. It's Juan Ayala. Hello. What's up, man? Thanks for having me. Yeah, um, I dig yours talking about, you know, all the uh, wild roads of the occult, you know, ufology, all, all the things that kind of dovetail in with the Twilight Zone nicely. <laughs> yeah. How much am I dragging you in on this one? Is this like, like something you'd catch in those marathons or is it kind of like all new for you? It's new for me, man. I've never, to be honest with you, I've never watched Twilight Zone. It was the first time I watched it. That's why I wanted to come on. Go, that sounds interesting. Let's go ahead and do it. Something different, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's just, uh, it's, you know, for as I see, it's kind of a keystone of TV. It's kind of like where TV started getting smarter. <laughs> mm-hmm. But... I, I, the whole time, right? Even just the intro alone of that show, which is pretty psychedelic. I said they were playing this in the '60s and the '50s. They were playing. They let people watch this stuff, like all the occult symbolism and vampires and time travel. They let people watch this stuff, and there's a reason why they don't make that anymore, right? There's a reason why they don't make movies like The Matrix or Fight Club, these cerebral movies that speak to people's souls on a deeper level, you know? Yeah, I, especially like the, the mainstream. I, I feel like if we get into like indie cinema and stuff, you can definitely find some, you know, some things here and there. But yeah, the um, in Japan, basically, if I go to the movie theater, it's going to be like Star Wars or a Marvel movie, you know? Well, Which they're it, all funded by, by, by the Chinese and all that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's how, you know, you got to get it played there because that's half of your market now. It just it kills a movie now if it can't play in China, right? So, yeah, exactly. And I, I love to go see the, uh, you know, the Marvel Star Wars. It's it's fun to get that blasted in your face. But there's not so much to um, talk about. I have a sci-fi podcast where I thought we'd just be hardcoring those movies. And we barely talk about those because there's there's not much meat there. 
Yeah, and it was crazy that did you see the John Cena thing when he called Taiwan like the people of Taiwan? He went on and he was speaking and it was Chinese apologizing for considering Taiwan a place. Oh yeah, they don't that, even exist. And and that would have gotten his movie like you know kind kind of like slammed right because now if China mm-hmm. don't want to show it, you're kind of shafted. So yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, which is pretty weird. Of course, today we're we're going a little over to the Philippines. Um, and I want to do just a little bit of trivia. And one I didn't write is, um, I, I guess a lot of people aren't aware, but Rod Serling, the, the creator of the Twilight Zone, and um, he actually, this episode, I guess, is a little close to home because he was in World War II in this front. So this has very much to do with his personal experience. Interesting. Um, he was uh, somewhat severely wounded in that theater and, you know, with you know, the sort of aches and pains that uh, stick with you for the rest of your life. So he definitely got damaged in this war. So it's kind of, I guess, a personal thing for him. But uh, as far as the director here, we've already seen director Richard L. Bear's hand at work in the episode third from the sun, and he'll be back for five more episodes, a couple of which are stone cold classics. William Reynolds played Lieutenant Fitzgerald. He got his start in some B-level films for Universal in the 50s, but really made his mark on the 60s TV series, The FBI, getting those letter agencies. <laughs> Captain Phil Riker was played by Dick York, enshrined in pop culture as the first Darren on Bewitched. The actor switch on that show was due to the long lingering effects of a back injury York sustained while working on the film They Came to Con- uh, Cordura. Cordura. By the 80s, he had gotten past it, but soon was consumed by emphysema since he'd also been a three packs a day sort of guy. Still can't help but love the dick. York. <laughs> uh, so, go, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'm going to bring something up after you're done. Oh, go ahead, because I'm actually going to uh, prologue you in a moment. But uh, what, what you have on your mind? This Rod Sterling guy, I, I or Sterling, I'm sorry. I'd be interested to dive into his history, right? If he was a Freemason or whatever, not saying that, not anything against Freemasons, but a part of Enid's secret society. And then I looked up here in search of ancient astronauts in 1973. And I think I might give that a watch because it looks interesting. And it was directed with Rod Serling. He was part of this project. Yeah. In 1973. Actually- yeah, oh, Eric Von Daniken too. Wow. Yeah, yeah, I've seen that before. I, I think it has a little bit of a Carl Sagan doing the debunking, or at least the alternative perspective vibe on that one. So he's the narrator in it. I'm, I'm gonna. Oh, and Carl Sagan is in it too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Warner Von Braun is in it. What? <laughs> <laughs> oh man, this rabbit hole. Okay, I'm done looking. No. Oh yeah, that uh, that is. Uh, a very cool video to watch so uh you know maybe i'll get back to you on that one because i actually yeah i do that sort of thing on my podcast as well but as for now let me bring up and um you've only seen two episodes now so you don't need to do like an impression in fact i've had people come on and like read it like goofy so however you want to yeah. read it is fine <laughs> i'm not much of a role player so i'm going to read it regularly and it's infantry platoon u.s marine philippine islands 1945 these are the faces of the young men who fought as if some omniscient painter had mixed a tube of oils that were at one time earth brown, dust gray, blood red, beard black, and fear, yellow, white. And these men were the models. For this is the province of combat, and these are the faces of war. All right. So, um, of course, the prologue doesn't 
give us the the full gist of the story, which I guess we should flesh out a bit, which is that um, not, not Private Freeman, Fitzgerald, Fitzgerald, yeah, yeah, Lieutenant Fitzgerald. Fitzgerald starts to get this thing where he can see the portents of death on people's faces, which as a superpower seems to be like one of the, the crappier ones. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know how deep your dork goes, but I started thinking of, uh, you, you ever read X-Men? Not a big Marvel or comic type of guy, but I'm familiar with, you know, the superficial stuff. No, uh, actually, this this is a little deep geek because uh, it's, it's the, the New Mutants, but they had one of their characters that uh, was Cypher. He could speak or understand any language, which <laughs> doesn't do. He ends up getting shot it. by a bullet. Yeah, he ends up getting shot by a bullet and dying like 20, episode, uh, 20 issues later. So it's like, didn't, what's didn't, your superpower? I can grow my nails right now. And then you start growing your nails like, OK, I guess you're going to scratch me. Is that from Family Guy or something? No, that's the that's the. Uh, crappiest second x-men that would be marrow where marrow can grow bone spurts out <laughs> or something that was actually after my time reading it but yeah it's, it's kind of fun I, I guess it's not so much a power that lieutenant fitzgerald has though as as a curse yeah yeah because eventually i mean i don't want to spoil it but uh, once we get to eventually he saw his own death right exactly and, and you can spoil I, I can't imagine so many people would be coming in and listening without having a look at the video first yeah <laughs> so uh yeah spoilers are, are on the table that he's and, and you mentioned he sees his own death but it seems he's only been having this go on for like a couple days maybe and i'm not 100 percent. i don't know about the occult over there in the philippines but maybe perhaps right they're invading these people they're killing these people they're doing atrocities in this area of the world and who knows maybe somebody cursed him while he was there because it just so happens how you said he had only been seeing it for a couple of days and then he was telling the guy at the beginning what was it i'm two out of three or two out of five something like that where he's like how are you sure that you're not just making this all up the guy's a real big skeptic and then he was he turns out to be right because even the guy that he was telling him hey don't don't go because you're gonna go he's like oh you're just you're, I'm going to go anyways. And then obviously he dies as well. And people around him start to see like, okay, so who's this psychic guy? You know, what's all this baloney type of thing? What's really going on? He's like, well, I can see people die. And it's weird that at the end he gets on the, in the car knowing that they're going to die. Almost like this, this hero's journey type of thing. Well, th if this is my fate, let me accept it. I don't know. I found that odd at the end where they, he just went and that was that. And they heard, well, they heard the bombs go off and hey, there they go. That's it. He's like, it's going to be a four hour rise. Like, yeah, we're not going to make it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Maybe he was still slightly skeptical himself, but, um, or the strength of, you know, like military conditioning where it's like, I'm the lieutenant and I'm stuck in this path. And there's really, what's he going to do? Go AWOL in the jungle? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's really not much you can do, especially being in those types of, I, I and I couldn't even imagine, but you said that Ron Rod Serling was in Vietnam as well. Uh, World War II, so he was in the, oh, okay. the Pacific Theater, World War II. Yeah, I can only imagine the type of things that they saw out there. What if they did see? Because I am a big Nicolas Cage fan, and we have this theory that he makes these movies in order to either like some sort of Pythagorean portray these 
life thoughts that he had or these other past lives and he's living all these lives throughout his movies what if rod was also doing the same thing where he was putting in these stories right you have even alistair crowley that writes books as a story but it turns out it might have been on an actual real life thing but it's shrouded uh, behind the facade of it being a story you know what i mean that's why i always tell people and shows like this that trip me out where i say why are they letting people see this right we know we know that plato talked about how the art spoke to people's souls and this is what these reptilian overlords don't want they don't want you being inspired or to know about the occult because it's do as i say not as i do so when i see shows like this i look at the deeper part of it of like who why is he writing this is it really a story or is it really maybe one of his past lives that he was or maybe an experience they had in World War II, because we know World War II was an occult war, which that relates to it too. Yeah. Um, for this one, I mean, you know, could have local legends might have been something. I, I'm not sure specifically for this episode, and I'm going to uh, give people a little bit of a spoiler for uh, two weeks from now, which is Mirror Image episode. Um, without getting too deep, basically there's a doppelganger, right? Kind of another kind of very something that does show up in the occult mythology um and he says he got the idea for that script just being in an airport and seeing someone you know about 100 feet away turned around he's like that person looks exactly like me once it, he turned around you know it didn't look anything like him at all but the idea Who says stuck. this Rod? this was uh rod serling yeah he really? said he got the idea for the script seeing someone from the back and it's like that person could be me what if he turned around and it was me oh that's trippy dude so That's it was just so psychedelic. Yeah, it was just like a random thought in the airport that led to this really great episode. And I'm thinking just with his war experience, um, like the occult stuff in here might have also been like something like, um, you know, a Filipino idea. I, I don't know so much about uh, about the deeper stranger there, uh, whatever. But I know some death portents. Um, Australia, I've heard about the pointing the bone. The shaman will point the bone at someone that means you're gonna die right so if mm -hmm. you are of that culture you're like oh crap i'm gonna die whereas yeah. if you know the, the europeans first coming in we're like well you're pointing a bone at me um i live in japan where the number four is very ominous that's the number of death so like you wouldn't give uh someone a set of say four placemats <laughs> because it's like uh suggesting death yeah, you give them three or five or, or you know, two or six, I guess. But my wife's family uh, on her mom's side, they're all Japanese. And I know they're very superstitious. I know you're not supposed to cut your nails after what, 6 p.m. I think it was or 8 p.m. Something like that. Yep, uh, that is correct. Although in my house, we we break that particular custom. Um, yeah, yeah. All the time. <laughs> yeah. The, but the symbolism behind even the four, I, you know, I'm. I study the theology of arithmetic, right? And Pythagoras and all that. That's some real deep in that. And it's interesting because that's like the, the, the formation number, the Demiurge's number. So that's that's interesting that they don't like that number. Well, um, in Japanese, it's uh, ich ni san shi. Shi meaning also meaning death. Really? So if you watch an anime and you hear someone screaming like, Shine! that that yeah. actually, if you want to get real specific, it means death, right? But, um, you know, it's like, I'm going to kill you. So a lot of times they'll change the numbering to each Nissan Yon. I had a kid, a student, like just last week, you know, kind of pointing at me. Yeah, he was he was counting the kids in the classroom, right? 
and point at me is she and the other kids like kind of flipped out and they're oh yawn 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 <laughs> like like they just given me the purple testament death portent or something so that that's my personal experience with this <laughs> Jeez, yeah i'm trying to look up here as we speak the, the the cult in the philippines but i'm not really finding much but there is paganism and occult practices as far as that goes and, and witchcraft which right we have the same sort of figures all throughout history, right? I, I always talk about like the Wendigo, Skinwalker, uh, the Watigo. You have Bigfoot, like all these paranormal, if you will, egregores type of thing. Like maybe these projections, perhaps, where I, I think that they're all over the place. They all just have different names in different countries. How these ancient civilizations all interpreted the same and different, the same gods and different names, you know, all throughout all of history. Yeah, being an island chain, I would imagine they, you know, there might be some recurring themes, but I imagine from one place to another, you'd find some quite different uh, traditions and things. Yeah. Um, of course, I mean, you know, Sterling had his boots on the ground uh, in the war and got some of that in, but I, 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 I don't know how much of an expert he would have been on that. Um, something about this episode is, tell me if you feel this way too. It really does feel, you mentioned maybe he was cursed. I really... Every time I think back, I just think of a witch in the episode, and there's not a witch or anything like that at all. But yeah, and maybe it's like witchy stuff, you know? <laughs> the yeah, you don't see like a sort of character that perhaps put this on him. But that's why I said they were out in the field; they had boots on the ground. So who's to say that they didn't run into somebody who, right right before they died, was a practicing pagan or a cultist or sorcerer or whatever? And said, you know, these people are going to kill me, but I'm going to get the last laugh and I'm going to put some sort of hex on this guy. And he's going to be able to watch all his friends die around him. And he's going to eventually be able to see his own death where who knows if that jumps from person to person. Like after it was done with him, it jumped onto some other guy. But we won't know because, right, they go, oh, well, what was that? What, what did he say? Oh, it was thunder. And it ended up being that they got blown up because he yeah. saw his own death. So, again, this weird occultic and and you mentioned if rod sterling or serling knows about this sort of stuff if you're writing about this i think you're gonna have some sort of idea okay let's like hp lovecraft where you talk oh i'm not a practicing occultist but you talk to all your themes and everything in your in your writings hints at the fact that you had understanding of the occult and understood these these ideas right even though you stated in your letters which you wrote over a hundred thousand letters that you weren't a practicing occultist but you did have an idea of what and how and what it was and how it worked so when it comes to these guys i don't know how many episodes there are in the twilight zone i saw that there was a new uh rendition of the show too they made a new series like uh, a, a modern day yeah there's been three reboots of it and uh the most recent one was uh like a year or two ago with uh jordan peele from key and peele really yeah <laughs> out of all the people that guy he's the narrator <laughs> what it, the heck it's actually like it presses the buttons really hard like if you are looking for you know like agendas in hollywood it's there but uh, it is yeah, really well made it's quite compelling like it's well made and he is there uh, there's a key in peel's sketch uh turbulence which has uh Peel is like the flight attendant trying to just get a guy to sit down. 
and it's becomes very intense and almost twilight zone like even though it's a comedy sketch so you can kind of, and then he's made some horror movies so it kind of works but yeah yeah when you first see him as the narrator it's a little jarring as jordan peele does his rod serling <laughs> i'm gonna have to check it out because right rod serling was uh, iconic like the intro is like the most iconic thing like I, i've been the only thing i knew about the twilight zone because this is the first two episodes that i ever watched and I'm sure I've seen maybe clips here and there, but uh, the first time I heard about it was at Disney, the 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 Elevator of Terror, whatever it's called. Have you ever been to Disney Disney World? Yeah, yeah, it's the Tower of Terror. The Tower of Terror, yes, yes. And it's been years since I've been there. And that's really the only time I've seen or heard of the Twilight Zone. And I knew it was psychedelic. And actually, after watching these two episodes, my my friend told me he's like, "Yo, you should just turn it on while you're working and just have it playing in the background." while you watch it and he told me that the newer series the newer stuff is not as good right because again how i said they don't make these cerebral type shows anymore that really highlight these themes because they're dude they're they're out there like the the even the other episode that we watch is out there it's i'm like are, they they let people watch this stuff they, they you know what i mean they let people consume this content there's a reason why they stopped it because it could speak to some people and and if you want to buy the whole QAnon, Hollywood, uh, cabal conspiracy, it plays into that because they put these symbols out there and it's up to you to interpret them if you'd like to or not. Um, he actually followed up the show. So I would say the, the one show that actually is close to being as good as Twilight Zone is called um, Night Gallery, where he was still the narrator. It's actually in color. That's kind of fun sometimes. But um, he wasn't quite as involved, but that show was definitely like, we want more monsters and just supernatural stuff and not just like psychedelically trippy ideas. So sometimes they do show up in that show too, but it's more likely just to, uh, I was watching one not too long ago. It's a, it's a crippled tennis player whose wife is cheating on him. So he uses astral projection to, to uh, murder the, the lover, but it's dark at night and he accidentally goes and murders himself. Oh, <laughs> what that is so crazy i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm writing all this down so i can check it out because i'm into this type of stuff that's wild that is that is that is pretty crazy i i, I forgot the name of the movie where you know speaking of psychedelic stuff where uh, i think it was ascension or something like that it came out a couple of years ago where he's trying to save his wife in from so they upload people's consciousness into a computer right into this like mm. almost cube like thing right the cube symbolism mm. and they upload their consciousness into that so they could live forever but they were going to unplug his wife because his subscription to the service had run out and once they unplug it that's it she's gone forever spoiler spoiler alert it turns out that he was fighting for his wife in the in the movie but it was him who was going to be unplugged and his wife was in the real world so at the end when he's saving his wife but they eventually unplug her they were unplugging him so it's ah. like this dimension inside another dimension like again the the astral realm of things where you think you know you're fighting you're you're astral projecting within a dream so again it was very trippy and it was this plot twist at the end where as soon as I realized what, what was going on, I said, oh, wow. Like now it makes sense as to why everything was going on the way it was going on in the, in the movie, which was, again, very trippy. But take that as you will. <laughs> um, I'm kind of curious how the effect there's only really one special effect in here. 
which is the uh the death portent face and and you know it's it's now it's a 60 year old show how how did that play with you i i was wondering when he mentions i can see it in their face i can see the death in their face i wondered what they were going to do i thought I, wh what i was expecting going in was he would look at them and he would have like some sort of vision in his in his mind and they would like play a vision or something but then it was like this just a slight <laughs> So yeah. it was kind of a letdown because I was expecting something completely different. But again, it's this it's the fifth late fifties, early sixties. So they did the best that they could. And I don't know, it kind of reminds me of some sort of astral light, right? That Helena Blavatsky talked about, where it's this thing that's always there and we're part of it, but you can't really see it unless you have some certain type of deep deeper understanding when it comes to these sort of things, right? This apperceptive, apperceptive power, if you will, to the paranormal. And some people have it, right? I think, I think children have it. And, and I think children are able to see auras. And even Manly P. Hall writes about this where uh, up until the age of seven, there is, right? We know the body doesn't conserve any organs that aren't important. So if something in the body is irrelevant, it will just shrivel away by evolution. If you want to believe in that, it will shrivel away eventually throughout time. And we know about the pineal gland that is supposedly this antenna. And during the hyperborean times, we, when, when due to the two eyes, right? Cause you're talking about cyclopses and, all, and giants and all that stuff with the two eyes, this antenna, if you will, was actually outside of our body sort of, where I was like a, pretty much like an, an antenna to be able to pick up who knows what, you know, paranormal or, or, or another dimension. And through the development of the eyes, it was pushed back into the brain, which is where we have the pineal gland, supposedly, because we know that reptiles have a third eye with a retina at times on top of their head. We know about this. And supposedly when children's skulls finally fuse at the age of fully fuse at the age of seven, they have this apperceptive power until the age of seven of being able to see into other dimensions or other things that aren't there, right? Where the veil is thinner. And I've even experienced it with my son where he's, you know, when he was smaller, he would be laughing by himself. And again, who knows if he was just being a kid, but it makes you think of why the elites use children. And it's got to do with their aura and their pureness and their, you know, lack of indoctrination, if you will. I've been teaching myself like sort of meditation techniques and stuff. So I, I, I guess I've maybe, well, actually in a certain way, maybe I haven't surpassed this experience, but I, I grew up uh, going to my parents' uh, Episcopal church, right? And being totally bored by the, the, the preacher, of course. But, but I, what I would do is sitting, we're in the balcony, I'm just staring at the guy. And I didn't realize this is actually, you know, a powerful meditation where like blackness would come in from all the corners until everything vanished. My eyes are still open, but you know, I start seeing, you know, other things, which that's, that's Tibetan meditation, right? So <laughs> oh. you know, one point meditation, I guess, which I was doing when I was seven years old, or I, I'd have trouble doing it now. I think you have, yeah, yeah, exactly. You have prayer as one of the most powerful forms of magic, but they've taken it and people have taken it. And they've used it from a more egotistical point of view. So when you pray to something or this higher entity, you're asking, 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 asking. You're not supposed to do that. You're supposed to just 
pray and and you know enough collective consciousness that comes together and it manifests right it's another form of manifestation it's interesting that you brought up meditation because i was actually trying some wim hof breathing exercises the other night in bed and i kind of felt like i was slipping through something but then i got tired and fell asleep (laughs) (laughs) i i I actually do that but i do it in the the middle of the day and um Mm. i i'm it's winter and I'm in the mountains. I am pretty, I, I do get the cold, you know, getting cold water, but uh, actually it's the cold shower that I really hate. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have hot springs in Japan, which I go to like once or twice, sometimes three times a week. But uh, you know, I, I'll do a thing where I go to the cold bath and then the sauna and kind of back and forth. But you know, uh, the, the cold bath is that, that is an experience. I, I, I know living yeah. in America, it's kind of difficult to even find somewhere you can do that. But uh <laughs> Yeah. And you have, right. It's supposed to help you with your immune system and stuff. And I've, I've taken cold showers, not cold enough. I don't think right now with <laughs> ice and how you see these guys on TikTok doing it, but I've been, I, I've done uh, sensory deprivation. That's my other form of, of meditation, if you will, uh, just go into a float tank and, and try to become one with your consciousness, which is so hard nowadays, right? Cause we're all connected. And I swear, bro, I swear, I hear my phone vibrating while I'm in there, even though, even when it's on complete silence. Oh yeah. We all have fan- <laughs> phantom ring uh, syndrome now. <laughs> yeah. I hear like, mm, I'm like, I wonder who's calling me. And, and I know my phone's off. So, but again, we're conditioned to, to be able to really let go. And I think that's the hardest part of it all. Uh, I asked a few questions for all of these episodes. The first one being, um, who actually went into the twilight zone? Who actually went into the twilight zone? Yeah. Who was in the, the oh, kind of meta, it, it, meta, metaphorically speaking in the episode or in life? Oh, oh. <laughs> in the, in this episode, I think, I think that, yeah, the, the, the main character, I forgot his name, but Fitzgerald, mm. I think he was able to see what, what uh, St- uh serling talks about the beginning right where where man is able to go into whatever i think it was him who was able again to see this aura of light in people's faces through the where the veil is thinner i think he's the one that really went into the twilight zone and l- unless you count the guys who died and i don't know if that counts as going to the twilight zone or not but that's i think he I'm was a- there during the episode yeah that's why i'm asking a question because i'm like well are they maybe those guys didn't really go well, they're victims of the Twilight yeah. Zone, but maybe it's just that split second of uh, being seen. Because the only one that really reacts, he doesn't know what's happening with the first four guys that die. The only time he really understands it is with his superior and with himself. So um, and he starts to connect the dots. Yeah. So his captain, I, I would I'd say his captain counts because he has to make a decision based on the information that his lieutenant's giving him. So. Or, or maybe he he's in the twilight zone, but he, he's not willing to recognize it. There's kind of a mm. Cassandra complex thing going on here. If you want to bring in some mythology, right? So you or know, maybe he, he was dead the whole time, and the episode was just a figment of of a dead man's mind or something. Who knows? Yeah, we we do have those episodes in the twilight zone for sure. Yeah, <laughs> Boltzmann Bolt, Boltzmann's brain. Have you heard about that? Uh, actually, no. It's got to do with the vacuum of space where atoms are always coagulating and coming together. And it's a thought experiment where if these things are coming together and, and dissolving instantly, that at some point in the vacuum of space, anywhere in, in space and time out there, there is the possibility that a whole human brain is able to connect its neurons, become a full-size actual 
human brain and connect even for just a microsecond and live an entire lifetime and, and instantly just dissolve back into uh, into space and time yeah that, that's Boltz, the, it's called boltzmann's brain look it up okay yeah it makes me think of just sort of the um some, some of the hindu buddhist ideas you know where the uh maya is here because the the one the the great whatever is sleeping and yes. once it stops dreaming we're we're gone or or yeah. well we're more maybe you know maybe, maybe dreaming's not the best in this case oh well, lovecraft wrote about that I think it was either Azathoth or something like that, where he, where the dumb idiot god that was dreaming this entire reality, he didn't even know he was dreaming it. The Aborigines as well, they talk about this sleeper, where it's it's this 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 higher entity was always asleep and he's creating reality in his in his sleep. So well, yeah, the whole the whole idea of dream time is based like for some original groups in Australia, you know, the dream time is more real than than this. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's mm -hmm. like more yeah. important. So you, it's, it's Neo in the Matrix. They're asleep, but they're awake the entire time. This false reality. Again, it's very psychedelic when you really it, think about it. And there's some communities. There's uh, uh, Again, they're, they're the more Aboriginal ones, but where, you know, you're supposed to get up in the morning and the, the family all discusses their dreams that night, you know, which is kind of cool because most families will look at you weird when you do that now. So, yeah, I have a hard time remembering my dreams. I smoke too much pot. <laughs> 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 yeah, I I do keep a diary, although I, it's been almost a year since I made an entry, but I have like 150 pages of past entry. So I guess recently it's like, well, I had that dream. That was interesting, but I, I'll just move on with my life. Second of my questions is, uh, I, I guess we'll focus mostly on Fitzgerald here. Uh, did he deserve his trip into the Twilight Zone? Yeah, because didn't they brag about how many kills they got? Yeah, that's what I was saying, because I was like, oh, he didn't deserve it because he seemed like so, you know, chill, like like some people flip out in these Twilight Zone episodes where he's keeps a level head. But yeah, then I was like, what did he do yesterday? <laughs> yeah, he slaughtered probably an entire family where, again, this this karmic aspect of right the eternal occurrence, if you will, to, to quote Nietzsche, where uh, sometimes man, right, the whole premise behind that is man is needs to suffer in order to become his right the uberman if you were the superman <laughs> but again the karma that you, even pythagoras talked about it where depending on your nature of how you lived your life you became an animal so like a person of timid nature or or gentle nature living in their life would become like a deer in the reincarnation right the ouroboros mm. so i think it was some sort of of karmic thing where yeah he did get what he was coming to him because but at the same time they're they're doing what they're being ordered to so it's kind of like a paradox they don't a lot of people don't want to be there especially what's happening right now in ukraine and russia where you see these videos of these soldiers just crying because they don't want to fight nobody wants to nobody wants to go to war it's it's ugly it's bad it's horrible but you have to be there or else how you said earlier what are you going to do go a wall and then what you're going to be dishonorably discharged i don't think they kill you nowadays how they did back then right you would you'd have your head cut off if if you abandoned right or did uh, was it sempuku or something whatever it is that they kill themselves but times have changed since then but right just the disgrace of you abandoning this post that you had but i do think he did get what he deserved not i want to be careful with that not what he deserved but what do they say? You you get what's coming to you or something like that? What's the saying? How does the saying go? 
Yeah, you get what you deserve. Sounds about right. You get uh, just dessert, just desserts. <laughs> yeah, you, you get what you know. You get what's coming to you, or whatever. I've heard that before, or, uh, but I don't know if he deserved it. I think he was a good guy. He had a family too, didn't he? He didn't he have a picture that he put out. Was that his up? That that was his higher up, right? Um, it might have been the higher up, but you know, the, his captain would have been just as complicit in what they did yesterday as he is. So, mm-hmm. you know, I mean. If I go, like you said, if I take out a village, if I do it with a wild manic rage in my eye, or if I do it with like a cold level-headed efficiency, does it really matter? <laughs> yeah, I still yeah, did the horrible thing. Yeah, yeah, you still did the deed. I mean, it's it's bad either way you put it. Well, I was doing it under orders. Well, you still did. The, the Nazis said the same thing. We were under orders. Well, you're still a POS, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like, you know, it's the thing I mentioned in movies where the villains like, if you don't do this, I'm, it's, it'll be your fault that your loved one dies. It's like, no, it's going to yeah. be your fault. You're the one pulling the trigger. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, I mean, I understand you still want to save your loved one, all that. But just as far as where blame, where karma falls, I should say, you know, in that situation, of course, it's not the, if the hero lets the villain take out their loved one. I, I would say the karma is still on the person pulling the trigger. Mm hmm. Yeah, they, I think they'll get what they deserve, what they deserved on their own, on their yeah. own time. You know what I mean? Because yeah, they yeah. were all doing the same thing there. The, the, these army guys were all killing people. They were all they bragged about how they took you know, how they did so good that day. Zero casualties and they conquered a bunch of land or whatever it was. And they were it was a collective. Right. It was it was uh, you know, Gustav Le Bon where he talks about the, the crowd where these the, when you get a group of people together, they become their own entity. So a group is only as smart as its dumbest person, isn't it? Yeah. Um, oh, what was it? I, I just had a thought on that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, World War One when they sent the Americans over and they were fresh troops. And, you know, they found that they were basically shooting over the, the enemy's head most of the time. Like they mm-hmm. weren't willing to actually shoot a person. So, you know, it took <laughs> they had to step up their basic training to, you know, I guess uh, strip them of a bit more of their soul. So they shoot the person yeah manchurian candidate type style thing like just mk ultra all of them and just make them do what you want to do right because i mean it, it i can't imagine there's very many people that are willing to pull the trigger on someone they don't know or that they do know you know <laughs> well i think it's easier when you don't know them that's the whole aspect of war you don't know that entire the, the entire life that that man lived and i think it's i think not condoning violence or anything but I think that makes it a little bit easier, especially shooting somebody from far away. It's not the same thing as stabbing somebody up close. It's more personal. You know what I mean? Yeah. I was doing a podcast a, a few days ago. We were talking about um, the James Bond film Moonraker, but uh, Austin Powers came up and in the international cut of the first movie, there's some extra scenes where every time Austin Powers kills someone, it cuts to like the henchman's house with someone knocking on their door and like delivering the news. <laughs> and like the, the wife like breaking down. It's done very dramatically. I guess they cut it because it was like maybe too dark for Americans. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. But, well, uh, it, it's the duality of life, right? While somebody else is, it's unfortunate, but while somebody is dying, somebody else is being born. So it's that, that again, the eternal occurrence, recurrence where. It's life and death, just an internal cycle, the Ouroboros, you know? Yeah. Um, the last question I put out on these is, um, a- as you said, there's quite a psychedelic element to a lot of these. So I don't, I don't put them on a quality meter so much because they're, they're, even when it's not so great, it's usually somewhat fun to watch. But I do like to put on the tripometer. 
zero being not trippy at all, five being extremely trippy. Uh, you can use a decimal point. You can make up a number if you want, but where would you put this on the tripometer? Two and a half. It, it was pretty cool, but not like, wow, I, oh, that's crazy. It's okay. I was expecting more at the end. I didn't know I was going to, because again, I hadn't ever watched Twilight Zone. So I didn't know how short the episodes were. And when I was watching it, I was expecting more at the end. I was expecting them to go and you were going to see them, you know, die. But it being the time that it was, maybe their special effects or something. And it ended more abruptly than I thought how long it was going to go for. That does happen. The fourth season of this show actually goes up to um, an hour, meaning, I guess, 45 minute long episodes, mm. which didn't actually go that well. Um, really? But, yeah. I mean, there are some good ones there, but it seemed like that little short blast tended to work better in the end. Um, the new one, since it's streaming, they can have one where it's like 50 minutes, another one is like 35 minutes, which I think is good because now it's like we just use the length our story needs i, I so. think you should start doing black mirror bro i mean i think black mirror is up there i accept the last season but breaking down the episodes of black mirror i think would be cool because oh, yeah. that show is trippy bro. no that that's why my introduction here is the twilight zone and beyond we, we will be getting uh, beyond after the twilight zone so nice <laughs> i'd galleries. like to join you on one of those because that show is trippy yeah 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 yeah. black mirror is definitely on that list so um this is one i plan to continue doing the weird anthology shows oh as far as my own number uh because i liked the face effect more than you i will give it a three <laughs> <laughs> really why'd you why why did it resonate more with you what what did you find about it i think the simplicity spoke to me like um and, and also you know i'm a film geek so they just had all the lights on one side of the studio on and just flipped it to where the lights were like on the other side something something along those lines it was just a real simple shift in lighting that it was a did. guy with a flashlight underneath he was just like turning it up as the camera was zooming into them right imagine it's just a guy there yeah that's, that's a level of tech <laughs> that that's totally a level of tech and and i appreciate that i like you know when ed wood made like a hubcap into a flying saucer that, yeah that, that's cool <laughs> i yeah, well, yeah. One of my favorite special effects ever is uh, the lot, the volcano exploding in London in the uh, 1960 time machine. I think it's a terrible effect, but it just it has so much an imagination and creativity to it that I just love it. It's like it doesn't really look convincing at all, but it looks awesome. <laughs> That's why I like these older. Not not so much the newer remakes and the one that I can think of that I love is, is the thing, the seventies, the thing, or the eight, I think it was eighty two or eighty three, something like that. Yeah. The that the special effects in that right for its time, it, it it adds to the aesthetics of that movie and it makes it that much better. Cause you watch the new one with all the CGI, and I think it's because you know it's CGI and it doesn't look right. I think that turns me off a little bit more than watching the 80s one. I prefer the 80s one over the newer make because the aesthetic of right the, the the original Alien, right? The first movie where the Xenomorph looks a certain way and that's iconic. It's 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 gonna forever be like one of the best things ever because of the aesthetics of it. Not so much the newer stuff where it's just CGI and it's just a computer animated thing that you know what I mean? It's like different. I, I I feel like the older stuff is more in the flesh and the newer stuff, you know, it's some sort of CGI. So it doesn't look as 
as real to me. You know, you know what I mean? It doesn't look as real to me as it would uh, with the original, where at it's, that time, to those people, it was real, you know? Yeah, it's missing the, the gravity and the mass. The, the real mm -hmm. shame, I, I actually haven't seen the newer thing. Um, I have seen the 1951, weirdly enough, but uh, mm -hmm. I haven't seen the newer one. But um, apparently they did practical effects, and then the studio execs, in, in a, you know, one of the... Uh, it was out of their budget. Quint, no, no, one of the quintessential uh, bad choice by studio execs. Uh, they kind of, no, they did the practical effects and then like put CGI over them. <laughs> really? Yeah. So theoretically, there should be a cut of that film possible with practical, a lot of you practical effects. You said the 50? Effects. The 50s? No, oh, no, no. The newer one. The newer one. Oh, okay. Okay. I got you. Yeah. They, no, no, they, actually, they actually did the practical effects, but covered oh. it up with CGI. So it's like, oh, oh interesting. Yeah, so there must be a cut of that where you could watch it without the CGI, and I'm I'm curious if that would play better. So, yeah, that's I'll have to look that up. The the other thing, the other thing about oh god, I'm doing it again. Sorry, I've done a few podcasts about the thing, and you get a, the thing about the oh the thing thing. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> but um, the other thing is <laughs> the rest of the, the 1982 one. It's so low key. It's basically mostly just dudes talking in rooms, you know, and shots mm -hmm. of like ice so when those effects do come out like you do just have you don't know what to do just like the guys in that movie they're just like what is happening how do i even consider accepting this as reality oh that's the whole thing about the thing <laughs> where it's trippy and it's psychedelic because you don't know who it is you know it's one of you in this room nobody's getting out until we figure out who it is and when it finally reveals itself you're freaking out because you knew it was coming. It's again, it's this very Lovecraftian aspect where it's there. You don't know when it's coming out, but it's going to do something. And it plays out very well. It's one of my favorite movies ever, to be honest with you. I hadn't uh, seen it until I podcasted about a year and a half ago. Uh, really? I'm Because that movie had a very bad reputation for about 20 years. And then everyone suddenly decided they loved it because it is good. It was kind of ahead of its time. So I grew up hearing, oh, that movie's horrible. And I don't I, pay attention to critics, bro. I, I watch it for myself and make my own assumptions. No, and that movie. Oh, yeah, that that is a, a fantastic movie. So, when, yeah, although at the same time, you know, I got to watch it like much later and really like fully appreciate it the first time I saw it. So that probably yeah. helped as well. But uh, I, I guess we should be rolling this one to the deck since we're talking about the thing now I, I do like talking about the thing except for that horrible pun that keeps reoccurring but uh, <laughs> uh Juan can you tell them a bit about your podcast yeah so it's the one-on-one podcast you can find me anywhere at the one-on-one podcast on all social media platforms got a patreon as well patreon.com slash the one-on-one podcast and I talk about the occult the esoteric conspiracies a little bit about everything it's a it's a it's a project i've been working on for two years and change now and it's really evolved it's changed me as a person i was listening to the first podcast i ever did recorded in the first interview i ever did the other day and i was cringing at myself because i'm a completely different person and i was talking to my friends the other day about trailers and i remember the first trailer i did and i go why am I going to give that to somebody to plug if I'm a completely different human right now from doing all the research that I've done and in my quote unquote awakening process, if you will. And yeah, it's just a podcast where I cover crazy conspiracies and connect the symbolism, talk about alchemy, 
talk about a bunch of different things. And I got a bunch of different projects going on. One being with Mark from my family, I'm crazy. And Chris from Mensa, where we have Illuminati confirm us where you heard me. And we, again, dive into the occult, the esoteric side of things and of, of reality, because it's a real thing. And I think not a lot of people are right. The simple, you can choose to read between the lines if you'd like to. And I think my show really breaks it down and shifts paradigms. I've had people write to me like, wow, man, I can't, that blew my mind. That, that, and I, and I write, I'm like, Hey, blew my mind. I was on there. You know what I mean? Like it blew my mind and I was on the episode. It was my show. So again, I think it's, I, I consider podcasters, the modern day alchemists where we use words to transform the thoughts of people. And I'm here for a good time, not a long time. So try to make the best of it. As for this one, it's Time Enough Podcast for Time Enough Pod on Twitter, Facebook, all that sort of stuff. Um, we're on Patreon under Podcastio, Podcastiest, where you can hear other stuff like Matt and Luke's Sci-Fi Sanctuary, where we talk about sci-fi films, Oral Hygiene, where we talk about like caught films, documentaries, that sort of thing. And there are some podcasts there for Pokemon, Luke loves Pokemon, and Monster Hunter, with a monster mash. I'm, I'm not a hardcore gamer. You will not hear me on those, but those are some other ones we do. So, yeah, Juan, thanks for jumping down this rabbit hole with me. It's been groovy. So, yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me on, man. I liked it because it was different and I, I thought I'd give it a shot. So, thanks for having me on. Appreciate you. Groovy. search for me, as I know from who and where I come. Those perceptions now saw as a falcon, divining what before was vanity. The heat haze of the will shimmer over the diary I write in. Strangely sated in this land of thirst. But my word, how long eight days actually is. So let those thoughts run, Bedouin. I went and took my chances of the Atlas Range of Dark. Besides to be do or die, let the vultures wheel overhead. 
also in your life's trials, share that spark. No need to look for me where the heat cracks, as I know where and who I am. With adventure as your compass, you're ultimately the far off track. It is the middle ground between light and shadow, between science and superstition, and it lies between the pit of man's fears and the summit of his knowledge. This is Time Enough Podcast. the time enough podcast where we talk about episodes of the twilight zone and beyond this is matt here coming back for round two it's it's been a month for the listener i guess it's been a week for us it's uh from the one-on-one podcast on ayala thanks for coming back what's up man thanks for having me back on i should uh i should take a page from your book and, and have you tell people where to find you at the start yeah, definitely, man. I do it at the beginning and then I do it again at the end because, you know, how people tune out. You can find me on any podcast platform at the one on one podcast, uh, you know, Google Podcasts, all of them. And all social media is at the one on one podcast. I mean, on YouTube, TikTok, Twitter, Instagram, all that good stuff. Instagram is my, my main one, but I pay attention here and there to the other one. So you can find me on there. All right. So hopefully I'll keep that habit rolling. <laughs> we'll see. But um, yeah, today's episode is a uh, long live water Jameson. So I'm going to spit out a bit of trivia on this one. Water Jameson is portrayed. Oh, excuse me. I started in the wrong place in my notes. This was a Charles Beaumont jam. Of course, this is more my opinion than trivia, but this seems to be where the, the episode where his mixture of saccharine sweet and bitter salt really seems to have started to gel. Water Jameson is portrayed by Kevin McCarthy. He got his start in very early television, but once he got into film, he ended up with the Best Supporting Actor nomination for 1951's Death of a Salesman, and he was the lead in the sci-fi classic Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Edgar Stelly played Professor Samuel Kittredge, and as his age would suggest, he had been in the biz for quite some time. He had many radio drama credits as well, including Dr. Heuer and the radio version of Buck Rogers in the 25th century. Loretta Bowen, our geriatric jilted lover, was portrayed by Estelle Ruth Goodwin. She was mostly involved in the theater and made her name both in London's West End and on Broadway. And she was quite fetching the closer you got to the turn of the century. I found a photo of her. I was like, okay, that I see where that casting works. Because, uh, yeah, <laughs> she, you know, she's like the brunette version of his current fiance, you know, 50 years prior. So kind of works. Yeah, I, I, wa- watching it again, 
right, a lot of things make sense because at, at the beginning you're like what the heck does this old lady have to do with anything and it made sense right at the end with, with all this this stuff so again it's just watching it over like oh okay that's what that means you know yeah i guess it is you know a good two for although you know 1960s television i was thinking that's kind of a problem because when you're watching you have to watch the commercials you don't even have a vcr right and then you're gonna wait like four months before you catch it on television again so uh, uh yeah, yeah. We, 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 we kind of benefit from the fact that we can uh, do this now you know and get deeper in so that's kind of cool so i just found it out of nowhere and i sent you the two files it was literally just on the internet the whole thing is on the internet and i still have open the tabs from the last time we did yeah, the show, and I still have to check out Night Gallery and the new Twilight, and that's what we talk, yeah, the Twilight. You said Twilight Zone 2019, and then Night Gallery, which was with Rod Serling again. That's right. So yeah, because that Night Gallery seems to get, you know, uh, you got to be a real geek to know about that one, I guess. But uh, it is quite good. <laughs> I, I only I didn't even know it existed until like I started, you know, doing the prep for this show. So. <laughs> Interesting. I mean, I mean, this podcast, not this particular episode, but <laughs> um, Juan, I'm going to throw the the prologue in, in your face. If you could give that a quick read. I actually forgot how to read. Let's see if we can do this. So you're looking at act one, scene one of a nightmare, one now restricted to witching hours of dark rain swept nights. Professor Walter Jameson, popular beyond words who talks of the past as if it were the present, who conjures up the dead as if they were alive. In the view of this man, Professor Samuel Kittredge, Walter Jameson has access to knowledge that couldn't come out of a volume of history, but rather from a book on black magic, which is to say that this, this nightmare begins at noon. All right. I'm curious, how, how, what kind of a student were you? Were, were you uh, in the back? Were you skipping class? <laughs> nah, bro, I was, I was I, honestly 100%. I was a straight A student. Okay. I, I, was a, I was a some A, somewhat B student, but I, I do have several times where a history professor uh, caught my attention for one reason or another. Um, in high school, I had one teacher and I, I liked listening to him every day. And then a year or two later, I was hearing from other students how he was kind of a horrible racist. So I didn't really catch on at the time. I'm like, should I have caught on? I'm, I don't know. So. Well, yeah. I just finished wrapping up doing like two episodes of Lovecraft back to back and talking about racist. That dude was a racist, but oh, yeah, people are products of their time, dude. You know what I mean? Like the people were products of our time. You're a product of your time. So it it's bad to be a racist and I don't encourage it at all, but it happens. <laughs> it happens. Yeah, I There's guess still I people just, are racist today. Yeah, I would just like, I should have because, you know, it's like a, a white teacher. I'm a white student. And I'm like, should I have caught on? It seems like maybe I should have caught on. But uh, I, I think it was more like he just didn't. I mean, that's what happens in high school, though. Uh, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know about now, but when I was in there, it's just it's European and American history. That's it. You know, they have one month for everything else. And I think he basically for Black History Month, like skips teaching anything about Africa, which uh, cheesed off. <laughs> a large part of the student population <laughs> i had a very balanced uh mixture at my school so the year after that was fun that was american history where um the professor not the professor he was just a teacher but um uh, he came in i guess uh i think we was drunk that morning <laughs> like he had just gotten a divorce and the 
extra credit question on the quiz that day was when was my independence day <laughs> well i do is having an epiphany of some sorts yeah so classic moment although I, he taught at that school for uh, 20 years later so i guess he was just having a day <laughs> yeah i think we all have those type of days right we're we're in the fifth dimension or five, fourth dimension that we don't know about right the one that rod serling talks about <laughs> yeah exactly but um yeah I, I do remember like you know my uh I thought my minor was history in university, but when I got my degree, it didn't have a minor. So I guess I didn't minor in anything. <laughs> I forgot what my minor is in, but my main is, my major is electronics engineering with a specialization in robotics. That sounds so, smarter than mine, which was social science education. <laughs> and now I, now I, <laughs> which sounds horrible saying it now, <laughs> social engineering, science. You just teach know. English? You just treat, uh, teach straight English? I try and mix in a few metaphysics, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, when you're teaching, like, I, I have kids that are like three or four years old, and it's like, well, actually, the impression I'm having here is like going to really have an effect, probably. Probably not in terms of them learning English, but in terms of how they react with people and all that sort of mm -hmm. thing. So, you know, like, and sometimes I'm like, oh man, I'm like engineering, usually because I don't want the kid doing something dangerous, but it's like, I'm actually using like mind control methods, programming methods to get this kid to do what I want to do. But I guess that's part of being a teacher. Just, you know, it's a, it's a tool, right? You use it in a good way or a bad way. That's language though, dude. Yeah, exactly. It can either be good, used for good or used for evil. We're talking about racism. You could say the most beautiful words ever. You can be a POS and call somebody super bad things. Yeah, really? So, um what was your impression of of jameson is he some is he a teacher you'd listen to is, was it acting that good <laughs> yeah the the it was actually very interesting I, I wasn't i didn't catch on and that intro it says black magic is it book of black magic is that how he worded it yeah in the intro and then later he talks about like i assume he was like i just got an image of him being in like ancient egypt and mm -hmm. seeing the alchemist he said he saw an alchemist yeah. who put him in a coma for three weeks he woke up the alchemist was gone and then you know 30 years later it's like whoa everyone is aged except me so yeah i found that i found that interesting because again talking about the occult and all this stuff and vampires because we know vampires live forever unless something happens to them right and i found that part to stood out the most to me because I do believe that there are certain figures in history that are, well, who is it, St. Germain, that is this guy who's always been around, always, always reinvents himself, such as this guy. But another thing that stood out to me, too, was if you live forever, and in all movies, right, vampires are super rich, because eventually you learn, you, you figure it out. You figure something out. I go, why is this guy being a teacher if he has all this knowledge and he fought in like World War? Was it World War One or it was oh, he's in the Civil, Civil War? And Civil War, one, yeah. And when, why would he be a teacher out of everything that he could have been? Well, there is the idea in um, you know, Buddhist Hindu thought, like, you know, the the um the one, the source that wants to experience everything. So if you're living two thousand plus years, maybe just like I want to chill out for some time and you know, be a teacher. True. Yeah, I had, can see that as well. 
you know, a hundred years later, he, what was he a major or something or a Colonel? I mean, he was a ranking officer in the military, yeah. right? So that would have been a super stressful job and adventure. Somehow he didn't die. Cause it seemed like, you know, as this shows us a simple bullet will do him in, he's just been lucky. Yeah. Well, that was one of the things that he talked about, right? Where he was, I was, I was luckier than most. He was talking about that pretty much he lived all these time all this time without anything happening to him or having an accident or anything of that nature but he does tell it to the old guy and i didn't connect the dots with the the journal until watching it for the second time i was like oh that's his journal from that time and that's why the old man asks him can i borrow it and he's like no i don't borrow i don't let people borrow books and then he says something along the lines of Remember what happened last time. I don't still don't know what he meant by that. I think he just loaned him a book and never got it back. Probably. <laughs> so it's 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 the opposite of um in Battlestar Galactica. There's a uh I've actually taken this as part of my credo. Well, now that I read ebooks, I guess it doesn't matter anymore. But uh one of the lines in the show is never lend a uh, yeah, never lend a book. That means you just give somebody a book. <laughs> like mm. if I give a book, I don't expect it back. Yeah, I I I've learned in life two things. I've never, I, I read eBooks too. That's the main thing is I don't have room for all these books. I would love to start collecting books, but some are super expensive. And on top of that, not that they're expensive, I just don't have the room for them. And if you buy a really nice book, you want to preserve it. Mine's just going to sit in a shelf collecting dust. So I don't have like a display case or anything like that. Look at all the, look at all the stuff I have in the background already. <laughs> it's already cramped. So my bookshelf is somewhere back there. And I've thought about starting to collect books, but I just, dude, scribed in Amazon, was it Audible or, or Kindle? And you just read whatever book you want, buy it if you have to buy it, or not telling anybody to pirate anything, but I usually download PDF files of, of books I want to read, and, and that's that. And I just have a tablet, and I just read on a tablet. But some people don't like that. There's something about reading an actual physical book, something like magical almost, but if you're in a car somewhere and it's dark, you can't read it. So. Exactly. Um, have you been, I think it's like Avalon library, not net or something like that. It's a site which has a bunch of PDFs and a lot of it's like a hundred plus years old. Um, What's it called? Find, uh, Avalon library. Let me type it in, make sure I'm telling it to you. Right. Are you scribed? And I use the Kindle app. And I got all my stuff in there. Yeah, I mostly use Kindle. Sorry, one of these brings you to an actual library, and one of them brings you to a source of mad information. So I'm going to see which, which one. one so I see the library, the Avalon Library, public library. Okay, no, no, this one is avalonlibrary.net. So what you do is, um, it's it's a really, it's unfortunately not a well-constructed website. So you come in, you see all these files. You have to scroll down Ooh. quite a way. You have to scroll down quite a way. I mean, there's plenty of interesting stuff before that, but if you go all the way past the alphabet, uh, you'll find an underscore and then ebooks. Oh, no, just ebooks. It doesn't even have the underscore, but it's after Z. Comes after Z, it's ebooks. You click on that, there's like everything. I mean, Blavatsky's there. You'll find a bunch of Crowley there. You'll find, I, I'm sure Lovecraft is there, you know, just like. Uh, I just great... found some stuff right now. I'm going to actually send it to my, my friend. Yeah, we've got like Aldous Huxley, Aleister Crowley. I'm just in the A's here. 
Um, so yeah, your, your books of black magic are here, magic and mystery in Tibet, you know, lots of, yeah. So, uh, and, and for anyone, I mean, you know, like I said, this podcast, uh, kind of like, we've got some, some trippy heads here. We got some very science people, you know, so, but even for science people, you know, uh, people are really focused on the method and stuff. There are, there are books, there are science books in there too. I think, you know, you can find like a few Neil deGrasse Tyson, Carl Sagan's there for sure. So, uh, but yeah, yeah. If you're looking for stuff to make you smarter that's one of the best websites i found so maybe yeah that's know, awesome dude started it. i'm gonna take oh. a look around here later because i just found something that i have a friend of mine who's writing a book on something and it literally just popped out to me <laughs> oh but wait it's another language what the heck <laughs> some of them are in other languages but yeah some of them I, i've got i've probably read like 200 books from that site over the past few years really so um Anyway, getting back to Jameson, the line that now that we're, we've got this site, we can learn things. One interesting thing is uh, Kittredge says, oh, I figured it out. You can live forever and not ever become wise. And that, that's the line in this episode that really sticks to me. That you can live forever and not become wise? Is it because he thought the, the old man was an idiot or something? Well, not so much. I think it was just because it was clear that Jameson didn't have any, like, any advanced knowledge right he wasn't mm -hmm. like smarter than the average bear he just had a lot of experience which i'm like i don't know two thousand years of experience it seems like he'd probably get a little sharper that's that's where i find this episode interesting it's like if i lived and had to keep changing my life every 40 years um would i be improving or would i just be in stasis uh, hopefully you would be improving right i mean that's uh, that's what all these elites are about right transhumanism where they want to live forever that's why the Egyptians were so obsessed with prepping their bodies because they thought they could come back at a different time and reanimate themselves or something. That's why they were buried the way they buried them. Just It was a process and a ritual when they prepared them. So they believed that they could at one time come back. And if you're not learning some stuff, bro, and you live for 2,000 years, I mean, <laughs> you're doing something wrong. <laughs> hey, plenty of people, you know, it's it's uh, Netflix and chill every night, right? <laughs> yeah, and that's the problem, dude. That's the problem with today's society that it's just, again, not to talk down on people, but to, they, they're dumbing us down. They're wanting to keep us, how you said, just at the end of the day, just mindless, numbing TV and just sit there, play on your phone, go to sleep, wake up the next day, go to work for 10 hours, eight hours a day, come back home, do the same thing. You're on a cycle. And guess what? The Saturday and Sunday that you're off or whatever days you have off those two days, sometimes you just want to sleep. Cause I'm there. I've been there too. Like I'm thankfully I'm blessed enough and, and able to have time for extracurricular activities during my day. And I can plan around it. And I'll be quite honest with these last few weeks, I haven't really been getting much work done because I've been <laughs> podcasting and just researching and, doing all these things. So I got to gotta get back on the horse. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's where well, I don't have a nine to five. I have a, a 12 to nine, but um, like that's actually, weird with the language, right? Was that it's weird with the language with you guys? Because I have my, my buddy, a really good friend of mine lives in Vietnam and he lived in Thailand for a while and he teaches English as well online. And it's like they do blocks like they'll do a couple hours here you know, two or three hours in between, then do another few hours here, like depending I on the kids. I think the place I used to work, work that way. Uh, typically for me, it's I kind of go in, have an office hour, 
or then have lunch. And for me, lunch is actually like I, I have a walk and a meditation built in. So I'm actually using my time quite well while I'm on the clock there. <laughs> uh, oh, so you physically have to go in somewhere? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm actually back to teaching live lessons again. Uh, we were doing Zoom until this week and now we're back to live, which is nice. <laughs> I do like teaching people that are in the room and not on a screen. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. So we're back to that. Um, but yeah, um, something, you know, like, I guess, sacred places, because we, we got temples all over the place in Japan, right? So just around my house, around my workplace, I just have a mental map of where they all are. You know, I mean, obviously, they're built there for a reason. I don't I don't think the ones around here are definitely like on a major ley line, but somebody put it there for a reason. Right. So. Yeah. So I find going there and I have like kind of a 15 minute, minute meditation cycle that I tend to do there. And yeah, I usually do it on my lunch break. People are like, I don't have time to do things like that. I'm like, well, I do it during my lunch break. <laughs> and what kind of beliefs do they have? Is there Christianity and Catholicism there or how does that work? Um, Japan's interesting that everybody would be Shinto Buddhist, right? But nobody talks about it that much. I I'd say, you know, unless you become a monk or something, um, mm -hmm. you're going to go to the shrine at New Year. You know, maybe uh, if you have a big test, you want to go get your fortune. So a couple of days after New Year, we walked to a, a local shrine and bought the uh, Omakuji, and I got the least fortune. I got the crappy fortune. My daughter got the best fortune, so I guess that's fine. <laughs> but uh, things like that, I mean, there's not, it's very rare you'd find someone that really has anything moral to put towards you. That's kind of a thing in Japan. It's kind of like if you keep to yourself and you, you need to follow the basic social rules, some of which are unspoken, right? Yeah. Um, foreigners in japan we have a joke sometimes we, we talk about gaijin smashing when we know that it's not what you're supposed to do in japan but we're like ah, they'll, they'll be like they're not japanese right it, it's something yeah. you don't you don't do unless you need to unless you're a prick or something but <laughs> you've been there for a while oh yeah <laughs> i've been yeah. the state since 2010 so wow <laughs> yeah yeah i have a i have a i have a totally bizarre altered uh reality but it's my trip it seems you know once your trip it seems perfectly normal I guess that's another thing for this 2000 year guy, you know, at this point, it would feel like relatively normal for him. This is just how it goes, mm -hmm. that maybe that's why he settled in his teaching job. It's just like this never ends. Um, he seems pretty happy when he finally gets shot. <laughs> yeah, almost like a sense of relief. Yeah, it's like, I mean, and I can understand, right, because he, he was already eyeing his next wife and then the old man, you know, calls him out. And he's like, wait, we really how old are you oh and he's like kind of being skittish almost like a person in a secret society where they're just bobbing and weaving on the question and then eventually boom he nails him like oh he's like well i'm actually and then he tells him the story mm. and I, it was interesting that he said an alchemist not like a magician or a wizard or something especially on 1960s television like now yeah. you know with we've got assassin's creed and stuff it's been kind of stuck in everyone's mind i, I assume assassin's creed does alchemists i don't even know but <laughs> Dude, I mean, speaking of Assassin's Creed, that game has so much occult and esoteric stuff in it. I was actually surprised when people were breaking it down for me. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> like when I was watching this show, I'm like, they were letting people watch this at this time. Like, Don't they know that this is dangerous for people to understand this, this knowledge and the secrecy and all these things? Because this is what they do. And by they, I mean the lizards. Like, this is what they do. There, there's... I believe, I believe, bro, just how Pythagoras talked about metempsychosis, where 
your soul can migrate to different bodies and you know this whole transmute uh transmigration i believe of the soul or i believe that's what they called it and i think that's what these elites do right they change they change skin suits every now and again but then some of them like nancy pelosi you see that their skin suits like falling apart <laughs> her eyelids like droop <laughs> yeah but don't we don't we all change skin suits uh and it maybe maybe there's different methods maybe there's ways to bring you know memories back from the past iteration but mm -hmm. you know like i don't know my life so far um you know maybe maybe a satellite will fall on me tomorrow but i i mean i guess it hasn't been like great shakes like i haven't like broken out of any box although i'm enjoying myself but i feel like i'm kind of like on a vacation <laughs> like my work How week. so like like your your life you mean yeah yeah like i'm really here just to enjoy myself for the most part and not not in a hedonistic way you know i mean i, I you know i like having a few drinks at night but uh <laughs> mm -hmm. but, you know i'm still trying to be good to people all that sort of stuff yeah. so i'm not not trying to do, do the crowley trip or whatever but uh yeah 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 i just feel like i'm kind of chilling on on this particular iteration <laughs> that's a, that's a good mentality to have bro because a lot of people they take life too seriously right they literally live their life and they're just so serious about everything and they just take things too to heart. You got to understand that you're in a game and it's one thing knowing you're in a game versus when you don't know you're in a game. You're going to act yeah. differently. This is a real life game of Monopoly. Yeah. Or, and, or another. Oh, go ahead. If I was this guy, dude, man, I'd be digging into all the esoteric secret occult stuff and I'd be learning it all, like, you know, trying to make the philosopher's stone turn that into gold. How do we know he didn't do that 500 years ago? <laughs> Maybe Bring he did that already. Is he's past that, right? He did what mm -hmm. he could with it, and now he's doing something else. So, uh, you know, and 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 with the soul is, you know, even a horrible someone that's technically a horrible person now eventually evolves. You know, I would mm -hmm. I would think over over iterations over time. You know, everything's. I mean, I don't know if that's new age and woo woo. Just to be like everything's eventually going to get back to all right where there's no good there's no bad there just is you would hope so right you would hope that somebody would change well someone could i mean let's say in this life they may you know i mean it's really hard to make much of an excuse for for there aren't people sticking up for hitler right <laughs> i mean but i would hope not <laughs> given given eons of metaphysical time you know he could turn into a saint i that's that's my maybe too optimistic view so no hitler as we knew him on earth what he did yeah seen pretty bad dude but you know over the vast given water jameson's two thousand years who knows maybe jameson was a you know a dictator and a hitler and a scourge on the plains of you know central asia back in 500 a.d or something you know well he says right when he's when he's reading and and recounting the experience that he had because now after in hindsight we know it was him that he was talking about where he was talking about he's like and i can assure you that we did not enjoy that they did that they did not enjoy their their commands or something about he was talking about the war he's like i can assure you that they didn't want to do what they were doing pretty much so again he was there so he knew that those people didn't even want to be there and it just makes me think of what's happening right now in the world and all these videos that are coming out where you can tell these people don't want to fight they're just yeah. what they're just taking orders 
Yeah, my my response. I mean, yeah, because I mean, it's like it's not like one side's like, hey, this is great. The other sides were being victimized. Nobody wants to be there. <laughs> mm-hmm. What what is tonight? I just did a podcast a couple of days ago on the uh, Marx Brothers film Duck Soup from the 19, uh, 1933, which is kind of a war satire, which is disturbingly relevant for a 90 year old film. Well, 89 wow. if we're doing math. But um, what is it? Uh, there's there's a line where uh, they're they're stuck in their bunker and they got to send one person out for help and it's um, you know you're doing us all a service for a country you know sucker get out there <laughs> while we stay here <laughs> yeah yeah you know that's I mean? right the lizards are are somewhere on at a desk right there's two major corporations that own pretty much everything but the, you're just a number the really disturbing thing is the people that are actively sending out the people that are going to go into the battle zone are you know, those are not, those aren't the higher ups. Those are just the people like, okay, you know, I'm at my desk job. I, I have, I've got a commission, you know, I do five more years. I get to retire at 45. How awesome is that? I, I don't know what year you retire, but I know it's way younger in the military. So I send these young okay. bucks to war, you know, it's like that. I mean, it gets to, you know, I'm doing what I'm told and that way it seems, you know, I'm just sending people out to die. <laughs> But that's mm-hmm. that's okay because it's a war. I mean, you know, what is war? That's when murder is like made okay. Yeah, pretty much the purge. And how how is it, dude? Where is there a lot of Americans living over there? Aren't you like scared of what's happening and being an American citizen in another country? Um there is sometimes I mean, yeah, obviously there's not there's not so many Americans. If you're in Tokyo, you'll see a fair amount of people. Uh where I live, it was funny, I actually worked uh for a year without another foreign teacher and i think i basically didn't talk to anyone who didn't look japanese for like a year face to face so um but you know I, definitely uh, not i'm from atlanta you know there's streets in atlanta i'd be way more scared to walk down than uh mm. I, I walk around at midnight in japan <laughs> really yeah i mean you know there's places in tokyo you might not a few places in Tokyo you might not want to do that, but most of Tokyo you can walk around midnight, no problem. Uh, I mean, a woman might be a little, might want to take a grain of salt with that, but uh, out here in Nagano, yeah. I'm walking around rice fields. That could be anybody, you know? Yeah. Oh, so. what the heck? <laughs> <laughs> Again, I'm on vacation in this life, man. I found the, yeah, I was inextricably, I don't think I said that word right, but drawn to my little mountain valley and I'm enjoying it. And now, you know, I, with, I got my window to the world. That's podcasting, right? Uh, they're mm-hmm. fun to listen to. They're even more, um, you know, not inspiring, but helpful to make, I guess. <laughs> yeah, it's not. I don't think it's as easy to listen to them as it is. No, no. It's easier to listen to them than it is making them. That's for sure. <laughs> Yeah, because I mean, you know, like for me, I, I usually roll out of bed and do one of these. Sometimes I put my suit on first as I did today. But, you know, I'm I'm somewhat of an introvert. So often, when, especially when I have someone new I'm talking to, I'm going like, Ugh, you know, having like a small panic attack. So which I, I found, I think a few other people have. Uh, Lindsay Schwarm in a rogue way. She, she's been on this podcast and she, she said the same thing whenever she's talking to someone new. She has like a little panic attack before, you know, the Zoom call starts. <laughs> I can relate. I mean, it's gotten better. How many how many episodes have you done so far? Um, of this one, uh, I, I do a few podcasts. I've gotten pretty used to talking to guests. Like, you know, I know it should be fine, but it's just, you know, I'm talking to someone new. Like at a party, I'm not necessarily the guy that wants that's going to introduce myself to everyone, right? Yeah. So I don't, I'm the same way, dude. Uh, that's why I usually have like 
I always have some kind of a uh, filmed media as the center of my discussion for my podcast because it's just oh we got this conversation piece and you know today we talked about some we went to many other places as well so it's kind of cool <laughs> yeah 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 no for sure I, and i get you that's why i mean my whole sometimes i have topic based podcasts but i've strayed away from that and it's mostly just open format wherever the conversation goes and I usually i'm you know i've gotten pretty good at it where i can keep it at a certain area and I mean, I, I have I'm way more confident now than I used to be. That's for sure. Yeah, I mean, you know, my, you call it like fifth chakra work, right? The throat one, right? You're getting used to expressing and and, uh, you know, letting in other people's ideas. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's also kind of hard. It's hard to listen to sometimes, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. One hundred percent, bro. <laughs> um, I did want to talk about his his. Oh, one thing I, I should mention, when I did the trivia and stuff, I didn't even mention the, um, his fiance because I just couldn't find any information on the, the actress. I was not purposefully neglecting her. She just didn't have any information. But I want to talk about the, the older lady who at this point seems to be relatively psychotic. I mean, <laughs> I guess he just walked out for milk one day and never came back. That sort of thing. I would be too, bro. What if you saw somebody right your 90 years old or whatever and you see somebody that you used to date and you're like wait a minute you didn't even age a day i think it would drive anybody insane insane you know i think it would mess with somebody's psyche be like wait what's happened what's really happening here who was i with this entire time was it yeah. even that he probably changed identities the whole time i guess she wasn't planning to kill him until Chekhov's gun was on the table <laughs> and that's very how convenient see- if you see the gun, it's going to get shot. Um, in an earlier episode of this, I loved we had, um, was it Chekhov's like tea tray? <laughs> like, you know, the tea tray is going to fall at some point. But here we get the proper gun. He's like, was he con- contemplate suicide every night? So hey, that's definitely not a way to live. I certainly don't contemplate suicide every night. Didn't, he, didn't he mention that, though? Yeah, he says every night, every night he sits down with his revolver and thinks about it, which yeah. I guess has only been a practice of his for a hundred years so maybe like 500 years ago he'd just have a spear next to his head i don't know (laughs) (laughs) oh shoot yeah yeah no i mean i think it would drive anybody insane and what i'm trying to think of a movie or a show that i saw a while back where it was it was a vampire show or something where it was he was talking just like that like you don't know what it's like to see everybody around you just constantly die and move on. I forgot what movie it was. There's Twilight, there's True Blood. Uh, I've seen neither of those, but uh, there's a Highlander. That's what I usually think of in this kind of situation. I forgot. It might have been this show, actually. Who knows? But I'm pretty sure I saw something before that, that it was the same concept. Yeah, because they got the Highlanders where they, you, in that case, you have to go lop off the heads of the other Highlanders, right? <laughs> Two. Wait, which one is that one? That's uh, the Highlander. I think it's 1986. There can be only one. Uh, pretty famous caught sci-fi, but yeah, caught sci-fi for sure. But uh, yeah, there's these people, and just inexplicably, they start. Certain people start living forever. It's got the Queen song, "Who Wants to Live Forever," on the soundtrack. It, it shows him, you know, when he first becomes immortal, falling in love with a woman and uh, getting married, and her aging, you know, and now it's a thousand years later he's like an art collector actually i think it's only 500 years for him but uh you get sean connery who shows up as someone from egypt who says he's a spaniard wearing like this flamboyant spanish uh suit and then he's sean connery so he's 
I guess his accent's Sean Connery. It's not quite Scottish, but yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, I, have, I hadn't heard about this. I'm gonna check it out. Okay. Yeah, that, that's definitely definitely a fun one. It's, it's some people get obsessed with Highlander. I mean, it's a deep geek caught hole to fall into. As for, and really? then there's people like me who are like, yeah, the the first movies, it's it's okay. <laughs> the seven point one on IMDb, which that's that's pretty high. Yeah, it's not the worst. The first one's good. Um, don't watch. Highlander 2 unless you want to watch a really terrible movie. It is the fun the second one's the fun kind of terrible movie but it is quite rank. <laughs> you ever find yourself watching just really crappy movies just because but you only watch them alone? You ever do yeah. that? Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, I, I This comes up in podcasts a lot where I have a weird obsession with watching Saved by the Bell so <laughs> nobody ever wants to talk <laughs> about that. <laughs> A few weeks ago, actually, we did a podcast where the, uh, my co-host had brought in the guest, and it came up, and he did want to talk about it. And I could just watch his face like, what's happening here? <laughs> yeah, I've never even laid my eyes on that show or movie no, I, or whatever I, it is. I, I would never tell anyone to go watch that, but, you know, I grew up with it. Uh, hey, you talk about things that program you. I mean, I, I, I can't. some of my high school memories, I can't work out if it was my high school or if it was Saved by the Bell. So <laughs> I went when to a really fiction nice starts place. molding into your reality. Yeah, really. So, <laughs> um, there was one art. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The Civil War picture. Just I, I know this is a talking point oh, for you, yeah. but the there's there's the the many photos of people who look like Nick Cage from the past. Maybe, maybe Nick Cage is Water Jameson. <laughs> yeah, well, no, that, that that's the joke, dude. I mean, that's that's the who who was it that I mentioned earlier? That was a person all throughout history that kind of reinvents Saint Germain. Yeah, who knows, dude, if I believe that, man, I believe, you know, through all the occult and dark art stuff that there is, right, talismanic magic and all this different mysticism, and even like I've been going to be doing something soon with the golem and, right, the Kabbalists. Oh, who's to um, say that? If put on your note for that, by the way, uh, Star Trek Picard season one for golems <laughs> for a modern sci-fi interracial the golem that's a good one that that one's that's a, the newest a, show right there's like five newest star treks uh, this one's now two years old they've just started their second season of picard but the first one first season is definitely uh kabbalah golem all that sort of stuff seems a little uh, transhumanism of course again you know ai just it's all in there so that Interesting. one is well these tabs are going to stay open until i finally get to all this stuff <laughs> yeah I, I gotta ask you man how many tabs do you have <laughs> right now not that many dude i probably got one two three four five six seven probably a good 20 tabs or so let me check here save tabs yeah i've had as much as 60 tabs before open wow okay yeah no I'm, yeah. i mean that's cool that's yeah i i got eight because I, I try and keep them slimmed down but uh <laughs> me too dude but you know when you're jumping from topic to topic and researching into whole all these different things i'll set something aside and when i least expect it boom oh i had that tab open yeah and i just go there wrap it up and it's very hard for me i'm a hoarder so it's very hard for me to to close a tab because i go man i might need that some other time like the other day, dude, I closed 89 tabs and I was so mad. I was <laughs> yeah. so mad. There's been a few here and there I'll keep open for a while. Actually, um, yeah, because 
yours is one I kept open for a while because I heard you and I, I had it on the tab and a week later it's like, oh, there it is. I need to contact him. So, <laughs> so you know, you leave it there as a reminder, right? Um, I want to do my questions here in this episode. Who went into the Twilight Zone? You know, when you asked me that last time, I keep like, there's a Twilight. I still don't know what the Twilight Zone is. That's part of the fun of the question. <laughs> I think... I think if anything, the what was it, Jameson, the dude that died, where yeah, his name's in the title. But for me, I was kind of wondering like that. That's the first thought. But then I was like, it's really the professor. I mean, Kittredge. I think in the in the his jilted Jerry he knew, right? He, he knew. knew. He yeah, yeah. He he didn't have this uncertainty to deal with. The only uncertainty he had was not. Let's oh one thing we didn't mention he's still afraid of death he's 2000 years old he's still afraid of death that's mm-hmm. why he can't shoot himself right so the only unknown he gets is you know actually going beyond the veil yeah <laughs> we, we all I do that, that anyway eventually. yeah exactly so it's not i don't think it's a twilight zone because we all go there eventually so if anything it was probably yeah the old man where and the lady where they've they saw it was real and then they saw this guy shrivel up. And even the daughter, when she comes in and sees the body, is like, wait, that was who? Yeah, that, that's who you were about to marry. <laughs> so they yeah. saw, they all saw like, okay, this is a real thing. So yeah, I think, I think they, uh, th- those are the ones that actually went to the Twilight Zone and this guy just, he just died. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, again, uh, speaking of golems, I mean, it, it seems Jameson's got some fun stories to tell, but he's pretty empty inside. He's like, you know, maybe I I can fill this void within myself by marrying a new woman. <laughs> yeah, but I, d- I think you would get tired of that after a while, bro. Well, he does. Or maybe say, not. Because it again, I, we haven't mentioned too much, but this is a really good, like kind of stage play dialogue episode. Just the dialogue is cracking. And he's like, you know, you remember six months I tried to quit because I realized your daughter was falling in love with me and I and I wanted to quit before that happened. And then I fell in love with her. And here we are. So. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. She's like super she's 30 years old, not even married, still living at home. Right. Right. And then and then what was it? The line that stood out to me was where he repeats him. I forgot what he said, where he's like, oh, you're not gonna have her brain or something like that. He's like, Well, I'm gonna have her. Da da da. I forgot what he said. Oh, yeah. There's some very 1960s misogynistic dialogue. Chauvinistic. I think chauvinistic is the word. So um, it was, he, I think he said soul or something. I have to watch it again, but I was like, wait, what are you, are you like a psychic vampire toward a thing? Like you need energy or like, what's all that about? No, I think he's just being fifties, you know, um, chauvinist American. Yeah. Yeah. Cause he's like, oh, you'll, oh, you won't be learning anymore. You'll be over a stove, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. Yes, yeah. Yeah. Like now, yes. It sounds like he's going to do some kind of like horrible soul drenching, you know, sucking. Well, in the fifties, it was also a soul sucking move. It's just people thought it was okay and enough to stick in as like, ha, 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 that's so funny. <laughs> Again, products of their time. So you got to keep that in mind when you're watching these older things. It was like, man, that's kind of kind of misogynist. It's kind of racist. That kind of sexist. Was like, well, it's the late fifties, early sixties, bro. <laughs> yeah, the show's ahead of its time, but that doesn't mean it's still not of its time. You know? <laughs> Is there like, any black people in Twilight Zone? I didn't even notice that. Uh, uh, there is the big tall wish, which, uh, let's see when it's, when do we, I think we do that real soon. And one, two, in three weeks, 
there's an episode about an African American boxer, and it was a big deal at the time because you didn't have. It was still racist. Racism was was at its peak. Exactly. At, at, so at this time. So I, I haven't actually watched that one yet. Um, of course, I will be soon. But that that was a season one standout simply because it had a black lead. Mm, interesting. <laughs> so I'll I'll know more when I get to that one. I, I am looking forward to that one. I actually I actually meant to watch it last week, but I got the titles mixed up and watched uh, a nice place to visit instead. <laughs> yeah, I have to. I have to start watching all of them again so I can get I, I want to watch the originals first and then get to after that I want to watch the other show you told me about the the, the night, night gallery, gallery. And yeah yeah from there I'll jump to the new stuff which the new stuff they usually ruin it anyway so I'm not stoked about it <laughs> yeah it, it, the new one I've liked it so far um it is it is. It definitely is. A, it's a little preachy, but usually it's, it's got interesting concepts. It's de- they're definitely well made. Um, so but the preachiness can rub some people the wrong way, for sure. Um, for me, the I'm preachiness? like preachiness, like he's really pushing his points hard. Mm, OK, <laughs> like, I get you. Yeah. You know, as one of my co-hosts uh, says, sometimes you need to press the button really hard. Sometimes you don't, but um, I guess that's how it depends on if you like the new iteration or not. Uh, there's yeah. a few of them I've seen that I really liked. So, you know, th- there's at least something there. So <laughs> that's um, what we talked about last time. Sometimes I don't even listen to the critics. I just wa- watch it for myself. So either I'm still going to watch it, but I can already see because I've seen it in other shows what they're trying to do. And that kind of takes away from it because I can't watch things normally anymore because I'll break it down and be like, oh, this is what they're trying to push. Even in Law and Order, bro. Law <laughs> and Order organized unit. Like, I see what they're doing there. The new Law and Orders, I, I see what they're doing there. And I'm a big Law and Order fan, but you can see what they're doing, bro. You can see the narrative that they're trying yeah. to push. And it's all this new age stuff, you know? I never really watched Law and Order. Uh, one, and, and one of the reasons I didn't is I, I think Maybe, you know, around like 2000, 2001, when I was young and hanging out with the punk rockers, I remember, oh, we're going to get on the town and, you know, hit the clubs, have a wild time. And they're all just stoned and watching Law and Order. I'm like, what are we doing here? <laughs> I don't want to watch Law and Order now. I want to go. It's, it's Friday night. <laughs> but uh, yeah, now I don't I don't go on Friday nights. Well, I, I go out every night. I go around walking the rice fields at midnight. So <laughs> what's up with you on rice fields, bro? I live in the countryside, so um. That that's another thing. Like, you know, just to keep myself in good health, I just I make my commute a lot longer. I do a lot of walking. So um I, I used to be notably larger. So <laughs> that's awesome, dude. You know, oh, good for I, you, man. It sounds like you're living the dream and you have a you have this zen about you that's just mm. you know, just do your thing. That's awesome. I mean, you know, I might wipe I, you know, I, like intermittent fasting but I, I might walk into work today and there's like a bunch of cookies that someone left as a thank you for a test or something and i'm gonna eat the cookies sure <laughs> <laughs> remember um, you're here for a good time not a long time like this guy was he was around for two thousand years so yeah. imagine how horrible that must have been so i guess that leads to the second question do, do the do his victims deserve it the, the old people i guess we'll say in this case because um, the fiance, I guess, just dodged a bullet of weirdness, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, that's going to be psychologically scarring for sure. But she didn't marry him, live with him for 15 years and then have to deal with the situation. So I feel like she didn't. Qu- I mean, she definitely touched the Twilight saying, but she didn't feel it like these other two people did. I think 
they, I don't think they deserved it, dude. I, but I don't think it was his fault either. I mean, if that's something that happened to him, he didn't have any control over that happening to him. Right. So, but well, he then, did. He did seek out the alchemist two thousand years ago, but that's a two thousand year old mistake. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the, yeah. Exactly. It's like some. I wish they gave us more. What I like about these episodes is that they don't really. They only give you just enough, and there's so much left on the table that can be developed and, and contemplated on. But it's like, why was he? Hey, you said why was he looking for, for the alchemist? Was he a pharaoh that wanted to live forever? at one of these times and that's why he sucked uh, you know uh was seeking the alchemist out because we don't know we don't know why he wanted to live forever if he even if it was even his idea yeah like i said he could have been who knows what his past lives were you know mm -hmm. um it, you know what what did he do in this it, like he made a point in the civil war like we didn't like it so i'd like to think oh you want to think this guy's you know he seems kind of well besides being chauvinistic he seems rather dapper and stuff so it's like i want to like this guy but you know who yeah. knows what he's done <laughs> yeah maybe he might be a shady shady person but like he said yeah exactly i want to like this guy but there's just something off about him but he's uh I, you know is it is it should he wait till his uh, previous wife you know passes on so at least it's not bigamy or just go further away bro <laughs> <laughs> go to yeah. japan yeah although I wonder... how, how old are you bro are you two thousand years old now you're making me think about you that's Walking right. Around rice fields. Yeah. Oh, okay. I don't. I. I. I'm. I almost answered a Jameson's uh 44, but I'm 43 at the moment. So. <laughs> oh, really? How old are you, bro? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm infinite, man. But no, I. I. I wonder how the biblical life would be. You get 800 years. Would that be better? Would that be worse? <laughs> still the same dude anything over a hundred oh, it depends if you if your body ages i think that would really suck yeah if that's yeah if you look a hundred a hundred that would definitely not be cool yeah but, uh, just a sack of bones <laughs> <laughs> where do you want to put this one on the uh, tripometer from zero to five five being very trippy zero being not so trippy say a four dude it was pretty trippy to me it was pretty trippy like i in hindsight, again, connecting the dots, I was like, well, I wasn't I but I knew something was off when they were hinting at the notebook. And I was like, man, what's up with this guy? But I wasn't expecting to him to be like, oh, I live forever. And then the alchemist and all this. And then the dying part that caught me <laughs> off guard. I didn't I was not expecting that. Yeah, I was thinking for as well. And oh, but we should mention that dying part's the only like effect in the episode. It's mm -hmm. very talky. That's it feels trippy and like it's 90% just guys in a room talking to each other. So mm -hmm. uh, that that's definitely good writing, you know, uh, cheers to Charles Beaumont. I guess that's why he has a reputation for being a good writer. <laughs> yeah. I, I know for a fact um, I can I can write OK if I'm like writing history. If I'm writing a story, I don't have many stories in my mind. So uh, if I'm writing dialogue, it's going to be the worst dialogue you've ever read. So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, so I make music so I don't have to do that. <laughs> yeah, I think it was I think it was pretty good. I enjoyed it. And hopefully I'm going to download the rest of the, the season. Is it only one season of the original Twilight? Oh, no, there's five seasons, 156 episodes. This podcast is going to take a while. <laughs> oh, man. OK, I guess. So, so I might even suggest, you know, looking up a few. Not that, like you said, you don't want to listen to critics necessarily. But, you know, sometimes I would look up like a few top 10 lists and 
see which oh, okay. ones kind of sh- see which ones kind of show up um a lot. I got you. Know, I got you. Just to let you know, a few of the episodes that really light my fire um, is the obsolete man, which is near the end of season two. Uh, that one has a very Orwellian sort of vibe to it. In fact, it's maybe one of the better film versions of 1984 in a way. And uh, season three has the Midnight Sun, which I quite enjoy. Yeah, send me those through email and I'll, I'll keep them in mind and I'll download them. That way I don't download 157 episodes <laughs> and just download the ones that, that stand out the most. No, I just, you know, I, I, I bought the Blu-ray set back in like October and I was like, I want to watch all of these. How am I going to do that? Oh, I guess I'll do a podcast for them. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, at least, I mean, you're analyzing it and going a little bit deeper than just the superficial stuff. Yeah. Um, Oh, I I did want to just mention that effect. Uh, I I read how they did that. Just like the last episode, we did the Purple Testament. It was a mixture of lighting. And then they just painted like red and blue lines on his face because when you film black and white, it looks like extreme wrinkles. But so if you saw this in color, it would have looked completely stupid. (laughs) Like they actually had different colors on his face just so the textures would come out a little differently uh, in, the, in the black and white. And I was like, that, that's cool. I mean, I just I love that kind of effect. Like very it's practical. It's that's FX. It's completely on set. Right. Yeah. It reminds me of what is it? The, the Sith guy from Star Wars when he turns into the read his name. Palpatine. Uh, Palpatine when he gets all wrinkly. Exactly. Oh, yeah. Something like that's what it reminded me of. Although I should note, um, I, I, while I was actually waiting for you to come on, I did this bit of research. Uh, so I haven't seen the movie, but um, a lot of times we're like, oh, is the Twilight Zone the first time someone did this? And I'm pretty sure it's not because there was a film version of a picture, the picture of Dorian Gray in 1945. And I can't imagine they got out of that movie without having a similar effect. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about as far as that goes, but it's a Oscar, it's an Oscar Wilde story where... Um, a man, uh, a young, rich man has a painting made of him and the painting ages and he doesn't. So he keeps the painting oh. in a closet and everything he does to himself. He's completely hedonistic, drink, drugs, sex addiction, everything. Right. And he stays 24 years old forever, like for 50 wow. years. And um, all of the horrible things he does to himself are taken on in the painting. And, um, the you know, the, the conclusion of the story is the painting is destroyed and all of the the horrible stuff he's been doing to himself is instantly transferred to him. So he oh, you know, shrivels shoot. up and dies. That sounds interesting. What's the name of that? A uh, picture of Dorian Gray. Uh, it's Oscar Wilde. So, you know, obviously that's a, a hit in late, late 19th century uh, London scene. You know, he would have rubbed elbows with, with some of the, um, uh, I'm not this is a newer, well. is, is a book. It's a book. The book is uh, something like 1894, something like 1890, that. 1890, yeah. There's several movies, a classic one being uh, 1945. I think there are uh, there is a more modern version or two. Yeah, that's what I'm seeing here. That's why I asked you what year it was. Yeah. So the, I, I, w- I was checking to see if this would have been the first time they did that back then. I was like, yeah, that, if it was in 1945, they had to at least made an attempt. And if I remember, I think it's a black and white movie. And the sequence at yeah. the end, I think, switches to color for that effect. So they, they actually attempted, uh, this is 20 year old memory at work here, but uh, I think it switches to color for the, uh, the money shot. <laughs> oh, I'll check that out. There's a 2009 
Rendition yeah, yeah, that that would probably be better for a modern, you know, eye, right? So, mm. um, or just read the book. To be honest, I haven't seen any of the film version. I just read the book. <laughs> oh, well, I can do that too. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I guess we're we're wrapping this one up. So, uh, like I said, I'm I'm gonna try and get your habit with other people too. But uh, tell them where to find you one more time, please. All social media platforms at the Juan Juan Podcast, and. Anywhere you listen to your podcast at the one on one podcast, find me on there and I talk about cult themes, esoteric stuff, conspiracies, Bigfoot, cryptids, all that good stuff. Yeah. And just have interesting conversations. So. I'm a cryptid at my job, apparently. <laughs> no. the, the white man at your job. <laughs> oh no, 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 no. We have we have um actually we have a foreign teaching staff that's nice and varied. Um, but we have two schools. There's the main one, the city, and then there's like a kind of suburban one. I work at the suburban one. And more and more when we have a meeting, I just get on Zoom because it's kind of annoying to go to the main school. So um, I, my, uh, my co-worker slash co- podcast co-host, <laughs> um, he was like, you're a cryptid because like nobody does, you know, people talk about you, but they never see you. So it's like, oh, I get you like interdimensional. They just see you on Zoom or something or you don't even turn your camera on for Zoom. I I, t- I do turn the camera on, but there's been times where I just don't even go there for like two months. So uh, yeah. said, oh, you're you're Bigfoot now. <laughs> <laughs> I was like that's cool, yeah. <laughs> so um, as for this podcast, I almost said the wrong podcast name because I have three. This one is Time Enough Podcast. It's Time Enough Pod on Twitter and Facebook. Uh, you can find it under the Patreon podcasting umbrella of Podcastio Podcastius, where we talk about science fiction movies at Matt and Luke's sci-fi sanctuary, caught in experimental films at oral hygiene, and you'll hear some other folks with British accents talking about Monster Hunter, uh, Pokemon, and I believe there's a new a new video game, panel-style game show called The Game Game Show that should be airing when you are hearing this. While I'm just plugging everything, I make music. That's at rovingsagemedia.bandcamp.com. There's a lot of it. I don't even know why I make it. I make it because I have to make it. Yeah. <laughs> I do start to go nuts if it's like if I've gone a month and haven't like made a song. So <laughs> that's how you express yourself, bro. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. So go live a good life, but not a 2000 year life. <laughs> that's right. Be a good person.